TJ Talks. Yeah, well, I was going to share 
story, a really sort of heartwarming story about my kid over the weekend. We had a fun campaign weekend with our Boy Scouts. And, uh, cool. well, I thought it was heartwarming. You know, that will be determined by everyone else. What's kind of it? The nice part of it was a chance to see my son grow up a tiny bit, which was really nice. So. Awesome. So, yeah, so I'll share that. And I think that might be it. We might be passed out. Well, and then I think we might talk a little bit about Fourth of July and that sort of thing. Oh, that's right, because we do have big doings so, going on for the weekend. Yep. So, with that, we're going to get into our podcast. So, just stay tuned, and uh, you'll hear a great show. All right. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome to TJ Talks. This is uh, Judd with his entry for some of the conversation. Well, I am driving home from a long day at the Rocket Ranch. Start off talking about the little space shuttle launch happening next week, seven days away, just about, really eight days away, till the launch of the last space shuttle ever. So that's pretty exciting. A lot of things happening here. We're all, you know, on pins and needles in a way, I suppose. But uh, really more, I think it's just that end of an era, the last of the last. You know, when, and no one knows what America will do next to get human beings launched into space. So that's a big deal, at least here at Space Coast. Um, so we talked about these topics, me and Teresa, and uh, Google Plus, their foray into social networking. Like, they haven't done this before, right? We've seen they've had the Google Buzz, which was a big flop, which I think a lot of people believe that was more trying to attack the Twitter side of things. And the privacy settings were so poor that nobody, everybody just said, no way, ain't doing it. And I, I did. I deleted mine when, as soon as I realized that the privacy sucked. I was not going to be sucked into that. So, will they get it right? Will they figure it out with Google Plus? That's the question. Will it be a, a Facebook killer? Well, what is it that you like and you don't like about Facebook? That's the question, right? Well, I like the fact that I can find my friends. I can find people that I can't normally find. You know, you can look at them by school, by email addresses, things like that. And you can kind of have community. And, and it does. Facebook does a good job of interconnecting people with community based on a profile. Probably one of the failings that AOL had. And, you know, I mean, if you get down to it, there's lots of social networks. Facebook just right now is the the big one, right? MySpace was huge. It was behemoth. And it was sold for $350, $350 million to uh, Rupert Murdoch's company, the News Corp. And now they dumped it for 35 million pennies on the dollar. So can uh, Google create a real rival? Well, I think they have some possibilities there. First off, you have Gmail, so you're already integrated into a system that can get you there. Um, it really, it comes down to the way that they integrate all of your services and how you are set up for sharing and I do believe that the guys who really want to create a better social network will um, do, do a couple things. 
strong API that's basically the system that allows other programmers to create like little applications to work within their website. Um, so if they do a good job with that, and they do a good job with privacy, I think that they, they have a, a chance. Because I don't think that Facebook has done very good at managing and helping people understand and maintain uh, circles of friends. Um, I mean, because basically the mobile user is the one who really um, is doing a lot more status updates than the guy sitting at his computer day in and day out. Because let's face it, when you're on your go with the phone, you want to take a picture, you snap the picture, you upload it to Facebook video or whatever but you know sometimes that picture you only want to show a couple people and Facebook makes it difficult every time I post to Facebook it goes to every one of my friends that's within my circle of friends which is pretty much that that group um, but they need to make it easier they if they would just enhance these apps to go okay well you know this is going to all my you know my family only this is going to my friends only. Maybe there's stuff you want your friends to see, but you don't want your family to see it. That's something that social networking, you can do it, but it doesn't do it elegantly in Facebook. And uh, if Google can come out the gate with great privacy settings, they will have an opportunity. So uh, Google Plus, I think until we see it, until we get to put our hands on it and try it out, um, I'll, I won't know, but I'll tell you if I do get an invite, um, and you guys out there, if I have more than one that I can give out, normally when you get invited, you can send invites. I'll be more than happy to invite you to my party. So, um, let me know if you want one, just send me an email. You know the address. Okay. Uh, what else? I just had a couple quick thoughts on princess Diana. Apparently she would be turning 50 this week, and the world will forever remember her as a beautiful 30-some-odd-year-old woman who died tragically after having lived through fairy tale romance, a shattered marriage, children whom she adored but had to share with her ex-husband, and a turbulent personal life. And although her work and charity and all that was good, she never really got dealt a fair deal in, in the press. They adored her. But they hounded her, in fact, hounded her to her death. And it's too bad that we have this craze about celebrity and we have this desire and we're like monsters that need to be fed with photos and dish. She would have been 50, and the folks at Newsweek magazine have opted to create a cover of what they think she might have looked like. I personally think this is the worst thing that could ever happen to any woman. Now, I don't want to know what I'm going to look like at 50. I don't think anybody should have an idea of what Princess Diana would, would have looked like at 50. She wasn't meant to be 50. She didn't live to be 50. We'll always be better off remembering her as that beautiful, short-haired, blonde-haired princess that stole our hearts and married a prince and went on to have an amazing life and to be so helpful to other people. And whether she'd have had wrinkles or whether she'd have gotten Botox or whether she'd have had any work done or whether she would have just went gray and white-haired peacefully, 
really doesn't matter, and it's not important. It's more important to celebrate her life, not what she would have looked like. Women and aging is a very sensitive subject, and I know a lot of us don't enjoy this process. But at some point, we all have to embrace it, and we all have to know that things are going to happen that we don't like. But some things are happening that we do like. And the wisdom that we have about how we look now versus how we looked then, and if we'd have just been happier with what we had then than what we had now, we could have saved ourselves a lot of angst. I think that's true for a lot of women I know. But Princess Diana, may she rest in peace. Never, may she never have to see this picture. <laughs> and Lord knows we don't want to project any further for her. I hope Newsweek stops doing that. I'm curious if they would have done it for a man. I'm thinking not. Okay, so Princess Diana. Hmm. You know, I don't really know what to think about that. And what if I even care? So she'd be 50 years old this year. That's good. Um, hmm. I don't know. So they did some Photoshop thing. I just think it's just all about money. You know, sell magazines. Was it Newsweek or Time or whoever did it? Whatever. <laughs> I'm not buying it. You know, yeah, I'll probably see the photo. But what's the, you know, what, what is this infatuation with this woman even after she's dead? They make her out to be some Marilyn Monroe character. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't see her as a sexy superstar. I see her as, you know, the would-be mother of uh, the King of England or the, the mother of the King of England. Queen, the, the new Queen's mom. Except she's dead. So, I don't know. Or King's mom. So, yeah, just don't, don't know. Jury's out on that. Let's see, and you know, the one thing I want to do is talk about my weekend, last weekend, which was Big Disney weekend. It was pretty fun. Went with my uh, relatives, my nieces and nephews, and I, they're, they're all like elementary school, 9, 10, 7, and uh, wore the heck out of them. I was told I was going to get worn out. Just the opposite. Kick their butt. But I will tell you, I was very impressed. I watched a four-year-old get on Disney's Tower of Terror. Didn't even blink an eye. She just was like, let's do it again. Woohoo! Fun times. No fear. Nice. So that was good. It was a really good time. Saw uh, Fantasmic, rode the new Star Wars ride at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Very nice ride. Very fun. 3D. Just a lot of good stuff going on there. So, if you have a chance, if you're in L.A., go to Disneyland, see the Star Tours ride there. Or here in Florida, same thing. Good good times. Mm. So I wanted to share a quick story about my son, my oldest son. And this weekend, we were lucky enough to be able to go out as a family with our Cub Scout and Boy Scout troop, which my boys belong to respectively and do what we call our annual family camp, where all the families of all the boys get together. We find one big group camping spot, and we spend the weekend hanging out, having fun, uh, and enjoying the company of one another with our scouts. It's a fun weekend in as much that we get to do all the scouting things that the kids get to do and participate in some of the ceremonial parts of it. 
for instance, my younger boy bridged from being a wolf Cub Scout to being a bear Cub Scout, which means they've graduated, so to speak, in the program, so they move up to the next level. And then after bear, he becomes a Weebelow Scout, and then after that, he becomes a full-fledged Boy Scout, which my older boy already is a Boy Scout. He has been one for about a year now, and it's been an interesting program with people that have done nothing but volunteer their time and good efforts in, in making it a success. Our troop here in Ontario is one of the oldest troops in the region and definitely had some rough going was sort of our particular troop was sort of dying out but a good good friend uh, decided he was going to save it so that our boys could participate and stay with this troop and keep it alive so to speak so the history of all that had gone before us wouldn't stop now. So in resurrecting the troop it was difficult to get new membership and they started out with four scouts and have blossomed now to I believe about almost 15 scouts. So they're doing very well and it's been a really great experience for my son. The program has helped him a lot. He's learned a lot, given us a chance to do some things outdoors together that we probably wouldn't have done otherwise. I participate when I can, even though it's a boy organization and a boy-led organization. I like to be adventurous and help out, volunteer in all the activities that I can for the kids to let them know that I think it's important. So I make sure that they show up and get there and do what they're supposed to do. So, And I'm lucky. My boys are very much in agreement with it. They like it. They're having fun with it. So it's not hard to get them to go. But this weekend was going camping and specifically for our Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts to earn their merit badges. In the Cub Scouts you don't really earn a merit badge, you earn a belt loop or a pin or a certificate of completion. But in the Boy Scout program you actually earn merit badges and you need so many merit badges to advance in rank and to obviously someday become an Eagle Scout, which is a goal that my son has right now. So we were working on the fishing merit badge and I'm not a fisherman. My husband's not a huge fisherman, although he has in the past. But we had a bunch of old rods and a bunch of old reels, and we decided we would definitely get them out, look them over, put, a, put together some tackle, and, and head out. So in doing so, we get arranged and ready for camping. We get to the campsite, camping in a place that has a small lake that's stocked with all kinds of fish. And then our particular group site had a really nice stream and creek running through it. So we were able to do a lot of fishing right there in the middle of our campsite. We didn't necessarily have to go to the lake. But in an effort to do what fishermen do, we got up very early Saturday morning at 4 a.m., headed over to the lake for a little bit of early bird fishing, and caught nothing. And for my son, who had only put a pole in the water maybe one or two times ever before, it was an interesting experience in learning about how to tie the fisherman's knot, all of that. So even though they didn't catch anything, they learned a lot, and they were ready to go back to our campsite and maybe try to fish some more. So after breakfast at 7 or 8 in the morning, goes back to the little creek right outside our campground and starts fishing again. Coming up with nothing. Meanwhile, all the other scouts, and there's about 20 kids involved in this program at this campsite, and they're all fishing too. And as the day progresses and it gets hotter and hotter, and definitely not the time to be fishing, so to speak, I guess the fish have a certain schedule they like to keep, all the kids kept catching. All the kids kept getting fish, some good enough to keep, some, some to toss back. The bottom line, they kept catching all around my son, 
who did not seem to catch anything. So the afternoon comes and goes, and along with the afternoon time come a lot of other activities that we can do. So all the kids are playing at the little water park, or they're using squirt guns in the campground, or they're sitting under a tree catching some shade, or just generally hanging out. But not my oldest boy. He's still fishing. And now it's become sort of a quest for him. In order to get the merit badge, you actually have to catch two fish, one that you catch and release, and one that you gut and prepare and eat, or cook at least, so that you're not being wasteful. By 4 o'clock in the afternoon, he'd been fishing for essentially 12 hours. And I can't describe to you how frustrated I was for him, how frustrated he was for himself, as he's sitting in between two other boys who are literally maybe just dropping their poles in the water and coming up with nibbles and bites and actual fish. Most of the boys on the trip caught at least two or three. And by 6 o'clock in the evening, when it was time for dinner, my son hadn't caught anything. And as he was sitting there on the side of the stream in the creek, and the next kid run right after the other would say, I got one, I got one, and reel it in, take it over to get its picture taken, and toss it back. My son's head just went a little bit lower and lower and lower. And he was glad for them, and he was a good sport for them, but he was bummed. He wanted to catch a fish, and he needs to catch a fish to keep working on this merit badge. So at 6.30, when it was time to eat dinner, I finally called him over and said, you know what, let's hang it up for the evening. We have things to do and program and campfire to, to complete. So we'll go out tomorrow and we'll fish again. All right, Mom. But he wasn't really happy, and I could tell he was still really disappointed with the day. So after having been such a good sport, I approached him that night before going to bed, and I said, look, you want to try to get up early again? If you want to, I'll go with you, and we'll head over to the lake again at 5. We'll sleep in for an extra hour. Hopefully we'll go over there, drop our poles in, catch something, and go. He was game for it, so I set my alarm in the tent, and at 4.50, got up, got him up, got our assistant scoutmaster with us, got in the car, headed over to the lake. Brought a couple different poles, not knowing that the kids had left them sort of unprepared to go fishing again without all the proper hooks and lines and lures and sinkers. So out of the four poles we brought, only one of them was usable that morning. So my son put that pool in the water at 5 a.m., or 5.15 probably, started fishing. At 6 o'clock, we sort of got rudely awakened by sprinklers and a line, a tie in the line for his pole. So we decided to head back to camp. We could get some fresh coffee, start the day over, hope for some better luck there. So by now, the poor boy has been fishing for 26 hours. It's a lot of fishing, and not one fish. He had had some nibbles and a little bit, a lot of bait taken off his hooks, but never anything that he could reel in. So we head back to camp, and he is still dejected, and now he's tired and dejected. And of course, I can't fix it for him. And as a parent, that is the hardest thing in the world to watch. Your kids always, you always want your kids to be happy. That's the biggest thing you want for them. And you can't make them happy all the time. And not everything works out the way you want it to for you or them. And you can't change that. So we get back to the camp. I go to the camp stove with the scoutmaster. We start making coffee and kind of preparing for the day. But not Eric, my son. He goes straight to the creek, drops his line in, and waits. An hour and a half later, about 7.30, we hear this glorious cry of, I got one, I got one. And sure enough, he had reeled in a fish. 
And it was pretty amazing because he did it all on his own. He had a lot of people helping him as far as being supportive and kind. But he did it. And he waited for it. And he got the payoff that he needed. And he got the fish that he needed to catch. Now, this fish wasn't quite big enough. And I wish I could tell you one of those fish stories about how it got away or how big it was. But it wasn't big at all. In fact, it was very small. And we did just toss it right back in the water after we took the picture. But he got to run through the campground, just giving a holler, saying, I caught one, I caught one. And everybody in the group had been so invested in his story emotionally and hoping that he would catch a fish or two to complete the merit badge requirements because he'd been such a good sport and tried all day. So that was a good lesson that he learned, that perseverance pays off. Keep at it long enough and something good will happen if you work hard. And if you don't get what you want, maybe there's a reason for that too. And maybe he just wasn't supposed to catch that fish on Saturday and it was supposed to be that one on Sunday morning. So it was a lovely experience to watch him go through that. And I definitely know that he learned. And I definitely know that I learned from it as well. Uh, theme parks. Last year I went to Disneyland. Well, Magic Kingdom. That's the Orlando's version of Disneyland. Uh, and we went to there for the 4th of July. And it was crowded, packed as could be, rained, stormed, and it was just crazy. And I had wanted to go last year because they had brought the mainstream electrical parade here to Florida for a time period. And it was just a great time. But just, just packed. Almost, really too packed for what people... Uh, what people can really bear because when it's hot and you're sticky and there's so many people and there's no relief yeah, you're kind of like eh, let's just go so I don't know what what were we going to do this year for the 4th of July that's going to be the real big question and I don't have any great answers looks like my local hometown here in uh, Florida be putting on a big show fireworks over the over the river and that's always a fun time so that may be what I end up doing, but I don't know. I mean, there's lots of different options out there for fireworks. And, uh, you know, thing about Independence Day, and I'm my CEO of the company I work for, he did both an audio announcement as well as uh, an email telling us all about 4th of July, freedom isn't free, blah, 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 blah. You know, I understand it. I get it. And being a veteran myself, and just as the CEO is a veteran, you, you kind of know. You just know that. So it's almost like preaching to the choir to some extent. Yet, I find it very interesting that there are people out there who just don't seem to get it. They take a lot of things for granted, unfortunately. Uh, and I wonder sometimes that if we've squandered some of those freedoms and and what I'm getting at is you know, the, the basic things that we now think are normal were never normal. Going to an airport and having to subject yourself to the kinds of unlawful, in my opinion, search and seizures that would never be tolerated under the auspices of protecting the public well, you know, there are other ways. There are many other ways. 
and uh, I, you know, I remember being, you know, ten years old, eleven years old, and my dad taking me down to Ontario to the airport, the old airport, you know, the one I'm talking about, the one where they filmed Catch Me If You Can, you know, where Leonardo DiCaprio is going with all those young lady flight attendants or stewardesses, and they're going across the street there, you know that. That's the old-style airport where you walk off the plane and into the sunshine or rain, depending on. And it was like a wonderful time to be able to just go watch airplanes take off and go, wow, that is awesome. And now, today, if you want to go to watch airplanes take off, you just can't do it. I mean, think about the movie Wayne's World, the first one. There's this episode or scene in the movie where Garth and Wayne are out at the airport and they're laying on the top of the car, you know, on the hood of the car, and they're watching airplanes because they're parked off the runway because almost every airport has this deal where there's an access road that goes across the runway and they're parked over there watching airplanes come right over their head and you go zoom and get that weird experience of seeing this massive amount of of fuselage just cross right over you and it's it's amazing it really is even as an adult just to watch the biggest things that there are take off that all that weight just leave the ground it's it still does amaze you it has to it's it's almost like magic <laughs> yeah so anyways 4th of July freedom isn't free we know but uh, hopefully just people think about you know what has the people who have gone in the past have done to uh, help secure the blessings of liberty for this country yeah yeah you know and if you're uh, someone who isn't quite sure there's always a episode of schoolhouse rock that I'm sure you can uh, watch on YouTube that will help you understand that <laughs> so uh, enjoy your holiday weekend, and uh, we'll catch you next week. All right, for TJ Talks, I'm Judd. And I- okay, so then I threw out the topic for this week, my my general topic of conversation, which is food that I don't like to eat. Hmm. And I just kind of came up with it. There's no real basis behind why we chose this topic, other than. It was just something interesting. And I was thinking about uh, some of these foods on my way home from work. And how many people just are, you know, there's all this Food Network stuff and Andrew Zimmern. And I can't imagine eating any of the stuff that that guy eats. It just isn't happening for me. I'm not going to be eating exotic foods or even if they're not really exotic, but just off the beaten trail foods. Um, caviar off the list. I don't care how expensive and how whatever it is. Caviar is not on my list. Neither is uh, escargot. I just remember, you know, living in, in Southern California, wake up early in the morning and there would be escargot all over your lawn and just step that crunchiness. And you'd be like, ew. <laughs> Come on, if you ever salted a snail, you'll never eat one. I'm pretty confident. At least I think that's the case. They're just yuck. 
<laughs> so, anyways, that that's uh, the snails are off my my list. Not gonna happen. Um, I don't know. It's just like I know there's a lot of people who like I have a a nephew who will not eat all sorts of crazy, not crazy foods, normal foods like green vegetable foods, and I know people who won't drink milk just because they just won't drink milk. So, I don't know. I kind of think there's some oddities there. Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of lima beans. I don't like how they taste so much in their texture. But will I eat them? Yeah, I'll eat them. I'll eat a lot of stuff. You know? So, but those are kind of the things I'm not really interested in eating. Well, the last thing we were going to talk about on this week's podcast... These are actual pods that we're recording, too, isn't it? Little podcast podcast is what kind of foods we don't like. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to do this recording while I drive through our local Spike's Teriyaki Grill. Because although I uh, don't try to eat a lot of fast food anymore, we will occasionally treat ourselves to a teriyaki chicken and a rice bowl. So, just so you all know, this is actually a food that I like. Hey there, can I get uh, four chicken teriyaki bowls, please? Yeah. That'll do. Thank you, sir. So, yes, foods I don't like. I don't like foods that are good for me. And I wished I could say that I did, but I don't. And it's been a lifelong source of angst. In fact, food is something that I almost feel, as I get older, has a little bit of a vendetta out for me. And I often say things like, boy, I like this, but it sure doesn't like me. And that makes food hard. Food that's good for me that I don't like, vegetables. I'll eat salad. But of course, unless the salad has 12,000 calories worth of dressing on it, I don't love it. And I don't want to eat anything. I I don't want to be vegan and I don't want to be vegetarian. I love animals. They're delicious. And I'm going to keep eating them. Sometimes I feel a little xenophobic when I talk about food groups because there are certain genres of food that I just can't stand. I don't like Indian food. I've tried Ethiopian food, didn't love it. Asian food in general, I like our American version of Chinese food. Sushi, not so much. I mean, I've tried it and I actually enjoyed it the last time I tried it because I was with good friends and having a good time. But if I was super starving and that's all anyone was offering me to eat, I wouldn't be real happy. I really love things that are bad for me. I really love things that are gooey and doughy. I love things with cream cheese in them, on them, and around them. Sour cream, uh, ranch dressing, pretty much on anything. Pizza, tacos, all these things that I do love. And yes, there's healthier versions. And the healthier versions I don't like. So I've had to learn to eat in moderation. And I've actually done pretty well with that this year. It was a huge New Year's resolution, or pre-New Year's resolution. And I've had success. I've lost weight this year, which is really hard to do. Especially when you love food the way I do. In fact, I shouldn't be able to talk about all the things that I don't like, because by looking at my waistline, you'd realize there's too many things that I do like. But I think, in general, I've learned to like different things. I try to serve and prepare different things for my kids, but they don't necessarily care about any of that. And ultimately, want 
want them to have a better, more well-rounded palate than I do. We'll see if they will or not. I have a feeling my older boy, boy might, but my younger boy is going to be just like me. And frankly, if I could eat chicken nuggets and waffles every single day for the rest of my life, I'd be really happy about it. All right, here we go. So continuing on with, with stuff for our podcast that I said I would talk about. I was talking about food earlier, so this is kind of a two-part food thing. It, you know, it's not only food, but sometimes you think about restaurants that you just don't want to eat at. Do you have those restaurants that you don't like to eat at? That you go, you know, mm, like fast food restaurants. Are there ones that you go, you know, I'm never, ever going in that particular one? Or do you have, like, a preference? You know, living back in California, I would never go to a Taco Bell. But in Florida, you don't really have a choice. It's about the only game in town. And it's practically the only game in town for Mexican food in general. It's ironic. You you can throw a stone and you'll hit a, you know, a uh, barbecue joint. But here, Mexican is very difficult to find. Especially decent uh, chain Mexican food. Because, well, let's face it, the regular mom-and-pop places suck really, really bad. It's like, you know, they, they can't even go to the store and find the, the spices and seasonings to make the food. It's just crazy. They think if you give them a tortilla and some tor- Doritos that you're good to go. So, I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, but we did talk a little bit about that kind of food. And, All is uh, now so, being recorded. Okay, well, wow, what a podcast. Can you believe we got all that stuff out there? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Actually, I can't believe it. I always thought that long. But it was cool. So we improvised and we made the best of our situation, and we hope you enjoyed it. I think we're going to do this again next week as well. So, um, but that'll be it, and then we'll be back to live normal banter in, in the following weeks. So, all right, guys, you guys have a great week, and we'll chat with you later. Talk to you later. Blah 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 bl